Welcome to The Vanderpoint. Please join your hosts, Jessica Vanderkoy and Rachel Pointer, as they challenge each other and have critical conversations about disrupting and dismantling the systems that fuel human trafficking. I like that you brought up, I was thinking about our conversation last week about like introducing ourselves into this space Mm -hmm. and that you brought up you're just tired of being the face of something. So a lot of people might think that like, oh, you're doing a podcast around the issue of human trafficking. But I think being really intentional about saying, I'm not coming to this as, you know, the face of a survivor necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's part of like the context in which you are shaped and contributing to responding to the issue. But that over the last several years. Um, and I think it's, I think people have gotten better, but for the last several years, I mean, you were, that's what you were, right. It was Mm -hmm. the survivor leader face, right. If anybody had a survivor that was, was really needing something extra or, um, someone had to mark on a grant that they needed to run through a survivor or, you know, it was like, Oh, well, you'll just call Rachel. You'll just call Rachel. Right. Mm -hmm. And how, awful that could be like just having the the pressure but two how there must be part of you that kind of thought of it like this is actually counterproductive in a way like that you're relying on me to be just the face right that if we did this organically and we did this where it was rooted in the right reasons for including survivors we'd have a team of people here and you would understand that my perspective is a piece of the perspective, but that I also have 99 other things to offer this space. And you would ask me about those things. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, I think in the beginning, when I first started doing some of this work for folks, I did have an advantage in that a lot of the people that I worked with were people I had worked with already in the juvenile justice system. So they they saw me as somebody who already was out there doing work with kids. And, you know, this was just an additional piece. But then as I started to do more of the anti-trafficking work, there was that shift to like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot you worked with juvenile justice for like 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like yeah. that it's like that completely disappeared. And like, all of a sudden, it was I was that call like, oh, we need to run this grant or we need to do this, that or the other thing. We need to make sure that some survivor weighs in somewhere on this. So we just call Rachel, or she's going to know who to talk to out here. Key the gatekeeper to all survivor leaders. And right. Um, no, I'm really not actually comfortable with that. Actually, so I we had a conversation. Um, some of us, some of us other like pu- public survivor leaders aside, I do believe that all survivors are leaders, not all of them are public. And so that's something that I'm trying to be better about clarifying when I talk about. So some of us other, um, the other public survivor leaders and I had a conversation around that very issue. Like, do you know, the gatekeeper to all of the, like when we're talking in trafficking, she runs things, mm-hmm. quote unquote, but that's the gatekeeper to the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was starting to be. Mm-hmm. And they pointed it out 
we appreciate it because then we don't have to be that person to be like, no, you can't ask people this dumbass question. Right. But at the same time, it started to look an awful lot like I'm that person. Well, talk about parallel process. Right. Um, (laughs) Like, um, that's why I love you because I love <laughs> every time I talk to you, but like you said that, and it just is like, like poof in my brain of how, even in this sort of micro interaction of helpers, right at the table, wanting right. to the system, wanting to pass legislation, wanting to very um, intentionally and authentically include survivors who value that piece of the work that they're building without even thinking about it, created a mirrored system mm-hmm. of the layers of control and information and gatekeeping that keeps people stuck and trapped in a, a trafficking I've always referred to it as like a trafficking operation because I like to think Mm. of it in the context of a business. Um, And how mind-blowing that is, that that's what happened. Because we know the people at the table. We know they're good people. We know they're people who are looking at best practices. We know they're people who want to center survivor voice. And without a blink of an eye or an intentional move on a chessboard, organically created this parallel process but like it didn't feel like that until it was like that if that makes sense like and it didn't really occur to us until we were looking at it from a more like how do we make sure that folks are being included and being involved and being invited and how do we make sure because because from like from my perspective I always want to make sure um these folks who are asking me to do something, has any other survivor ever worked with them ever? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Are they going to treat me with the dignity and respect that I deserve? Or am I going to have to teach them how to treat me? Are they willing to listen and learn? And so like thinking about those kinds of things, and then also saying like, is this a safe space for other survivors to walk into if it's an area I'm already in? What do I have to do to make sure that it becomes safe for other mm-hmm. survivors to walk into? And, yeah. and so that's, those are just kind of the things that I think about. And then recognizing like we all do that. Mm-hmm. And then it looks like even from our side of things, like we're not doing it on purpose, but we just kind of walk into that same parallel process that this is just how you do things. And you like, it becomes more comfortable partially, I think, because that's what we know. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, recreating patterns. I mean, but what what else struck me, what you just said was, you know, we didn't know that that's how it was developing until we were there and uncomfortable, mm-hmm. which can happen in lots of circles. But when you set it up against a parallel process with the way a trafficker works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it, if it was uncomfortable on day one, we wouldn't do it, right? Absolutely. Um, And so you just, I mean, you sort of described the process at which, um, you know, a survivor goes through, right? So I meet somebody, they have, you know, they're nice to me, they're responding to some of my needs, I'm being noticed. Um, They make me feel like I can do things. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, slowly we layer that with, you know, I'm being included, right? And I'm, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was hungry or I didn't have shoes and now I do. Um, there's a real sense of belonging that can come with that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, for, I think for each survivor, it's different. But then at some point, right, somebody goes, oh, wow, I'm uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> this is, I didn't know you know, I mean, it kind of kept, you know, and so you then, then the process, like what you just described is having to go back in and look like, how did this happen? Right. Um, How did, how did I get here? How did I misread or how did I not articulate what I wanted from, you know, and so then we, that's Mm -hmm. part of that healing process. That's part of that, you know, growing and going like, how do I make this better the next time? Um, and unfortunately, right. it's so I don't know, it just I think it's an interesting dynamic that played out um, with you, you know, who's always willing to speak their mind, always willing to call out shit when it doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it still kind of happened in this system is, I don't know, I just think is something to ponder for, you know, for anyone working in this in this work, because mm-hmm. I think we actually have almost a whole episode on intention versus impact. And uh, that's nice that that's not what you intended, but <laughs> holy hell, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. That, that part. I think, I think there's a lot of tensions that are very similar actually in like, for example, compensation for, for doing things. Right. Um, it it always bothered me and I knew that in the beginning there really wasn't a way around it, but it always bothered me that like in the, uh, governor's task force and then the attorney general's task force, um, specifically whenever survivors were in the room, we were the only ones not paid to be there. And so there was never any compensation for us until started offering to to provide compensation for anyone who wanted to be there mm-hmm. and then it started being more exclusive once there was compensation available um to where only like one or two of us maybe three if we were lucky would be invited mm-hmm. into those spaces mm-hmm. and like while you don't necessarily want every relationship or every space where you make impact to be a transactional piece when everyone else in the room is being compensated for their time and energy and it is part of their job, it be, there's this dynamic there that's at play automatically, whether you intend that to be or not, mm-hmm. that is harmful. Yeah. And it's exploitive and it's tokenizing. Mm-hmm. It just feeds into all of those pieces. Um, and it we I mean we see that a lot. What happens after folks start to notice that is mm-hmm. two things. One, either they stop inviting you <laughs> or they start inviting you to everything else where you also will not be compensated. Yeah. <laughs> because if you should if you show up for free in this space. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's fine to show up for free in other spaces too. I kind of get this on a lighter. Um, so many years ago, um, I uh, 
used to do a lot of um, speaking and panel discussions around being in foster care and my adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I adopted. And so then it was about being an adoptive parent and a foster parent. Um, and in hindsight, like I became like the person who always said yes. And I asked for yeah. nothing in return. It was like, oh, I'm giving, I'm, I'm helping people learn, mm-hmm. I'm, you know? Um, and so I imagine that part of the process is like, you're driven so much to want to impact the system to change it, yeah. that it's yeah. like, I feel like I need to participate, but then, you know, it really, like, I want to talk about, I, you know, I think sometimes people don't understand why you're supposed to pay survivors. Like that's not necessarily a widespread always included in every grant application prompted by funders Mm -hmm. part of part of policy um and i would gander across the country there's probably more places that do not have a system to pay survivors for their work than do what do you think of that it's so it's so bizarre to me even now how often i'm asked to do things or like folks want to invite you to do X, Y, Z, and there's zero compensation involved. Mm-hmm. Or when I ask that question, suddenly they don't want to talk to me anymore. Like, <laughs> wow. like the other day, for example, um, I was asked about participating in a, um, doing a, a, a filming for a training mm-hmm. that would be used repeatedly. And I could tell that the folks, they were more asking like, um, what would be fair compensation for that? Mm-hmm. And so when I laid out, like, there's a few things you need to think about when you're asking someone to do this, you know, you're, you're asking me to give up consent for how this will be used, who will be using it. You're asking me to agree to then also it being used over and over and over again, not participating in the editing. So I don't know what you're actually using. Mm-hmm. You're, you're asking me to give up all of these things. And I will tell you right now, this is what I would ask bare minimum for this, for, you know, one small chunk of what you're asking for, including preparation time. You will pay for that. Mm-hmm. That, that would be, and I laid it out and suddenly it was like, well, thanks for that information. And then they haven't talked to me since. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like this, the other, the other piece that I encounter is when you lay that out, well, why wouldn't you want folks to have access to the information that you have or to your experience and how, don't you realize that you could save someone else mm-hmm. with that knowledge? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't what you, you allow provide? people who are homeless to live in your home? You have this space to allow <laughs> your home. Why wouldn't you yeah, just? Yes, exactly. Like, like what the actual fuck? I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> damn. so if like, so for podcast purposes, if you were to explain to a listener, why not only is it, it, it goes beyond best practice. It's like an ethical responsibility to offer uh, funds, money, transaction, whatever, for a survivor and their service. Why? Um, Because people don't work for free. When I prepare to do something, for example, I'll use myself as an example. Say I was going to do an event for you. I spend hours 
ahead of time, preparing what I'm going to say, what I'm, what I hope that you walk away with, um, preparing for question and answer time. I promise you Q and a open Q and a is probably the most prep work ahead of time because you have to be ready to answer anything. Even if when they ask anything, you say, I'm not answering that. You have to be prepared to say that. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to be prepared to pull up the most randomest facts and information. People cling to the like weirdest things when you're talking sometimes, and they want to know more about what was the first legislation you tried to help get passed. So you have to look back and find that out and figure out, you know, do I talk to you from this perspective as a survivor? Do I talk to you as a survivor who also works in the field? Do I talk to you as someone who's in the field doing this work? You know, what perspective am I coming to you from? So there's a lot of preparation that goes into um, being ready to, to, tell my story and ask you to put money in that fundraiser bucket. That's usually what people ask me to do is the fundraisers, a ton of preparation where I might only be speaking and in front of a crowd for 45 minutes, but it has taken me probably about 15 hours to prepare for that Mm -hmm. easily. Not offering some kind of compensation is telling me that my time means nothing to you. Mm-hmm. It's not worth anything to you. Com- mm-hmm. Compensation is just you saying you have what you have to offer has value. If what I have to offer to you has value to you, you need to be offering to compensate me for it. Mm-hmm. Just like any other professional. I wouldn't ask a doctor to diagnose me and treat me for free. Mm-hmm. I, I would want to because they're freaking expensive, but I wouldn't <laughs> actually ask that. Um, the amount of time that a doctor goes to school and donates already to get to that space where they can do that work. It's a slap in the face, really, to ask them to do it for free. Right. And it's the same for a survivor. And when folks come back and say, well, but you didn't go to school for this. You want my insights from my lived experience, honey. I've been living this for 30 some odd years. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like. So there's that piece. The other side of that is most of the time that I spent doing anti-trafficking work before the last two years, I actually had another full-time job. So any time that I would go speak, go sit on a task force committee or something like that, attend those kinds of meetings, would go do trainings, I had to take off time from my work. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was never compensated through my employer because it wasn't part of my job. Mm -hmm. So I was using vacation time or not getting paid for it. For you to say, come do this for me or come, you know, you can participate in this great, amazing opportunity to train hotel, motel staff Mm -hmm. and not offer to try and make up some of those for lost wages or trying to find a way so I don't actively lose money on the deal is it's exploitive. It's exploitive. There's no other way to put it. Thank you for witnessing today's conversation on the Vanderpoint. Jessica and Rachel hope you will join them next time as they continue engaging in this critical work.